0: You're listening to Break Your Ego, Find Your Soul with Ramsey Bergeron. On today's episode, I'm going to be talking about my 10-day silent Vipassana meditation experience, where it's 10 days of noble silence, no talking, no music, no reading, no writing, no exercising with a guest Brian Sim who's a fellow meditator who I met at the course. So it's a really interesting conversation talking about what we learned and what the experience was like. Hope you enjoy.
1: Brian, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, Ramsey. Thanks for having me on today.
0: Hey, thanks for all the punches and uh, the technical difficulties here. So Brian, you had not done a uh, retreat. so I guess before we even talk about that, tell us a little about yourself. you're not a you are you a, have you done meditation before have you done one of these retreats before? Never done
1: a retreat before. I've uh, dabbled in mindfulness. I think everyone during their quarter life crisis wants to know what's going on out there. Um, but you know, outside of that, very little experience with this. I've done a, a bit of Kundalini yoga uh, in the past. They want you to wake up pretty early, so that didn't last very long. Um, so yeah, all this was really, really new for me.
0: Okay. Awesome. Um, so, you know, I guess we're going to talk a little bit about what our experience was and we are taking live questions. So if you're watching this, uh, live and you have a question you want to ask, uh, type it in the chat, it should pop up on my screen here and, uh, we'll, we'll ask it. So, um, I guess starting off, Brian, I, you know, it was really helpful because when we first got there, I was able to chat with you and a few of the other guys, because one of the, one of the problems is, well, for 10 days, you can't talk or for nine of those days, you, you can't say anything. You can't say anything at all. So before we even really signed in, there were a few of us there who we went to our cells um, <laughs> and dropped ourselves off and then went down to the hall and was like, hey, man, is this your first time here? It's like, yeah. And so we got to chat for maybe 15, 20 minutes mm-hmm. um, before things kind of, kind of got going. Um, and you were one of those guys. So I really appreciate that because it really made me feel a lot more comfortable throughout the process.
1: Oh, that uh, was huge. I felt like at a lifeline out there, other people with a common experience. There were the same faces day in, day out, but just having a short conversation with each of you, uh, really made me feel like we were in it together.
0: Yeah, you know I agree. And even though there they were the same faces day in or day out, you couldn't really communicate with them. No, um, because, you just
1: had uh, what you imagined about them.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> not only, so it's a, it's a, a Vipassana, I'm going to pr- be pronouncing it wrong. I apologize. Vipassana retreat and Vipassana means, uh, seeing the truth, right. Um, uh, seeing reality for what it is. And it's, it's a very unique style of meditation. Like it was unlike anything that I had experienced before. I I was, I've always been used to the, okay, breathing in, I am breathing in, breathing out, I am breathing out, just calming the mind down. Um, and, and the way that I thought about it was like, if a little kid falls and skins their knee, It's you're going like, it's okay, don't cry. It's going to be okay. Like that's what I was doing to my brain with the meditation I was doing before. This was absolutely not that. This was concentrating the mind to a singular point and then using it to experience reality. Um, You know, because so many of us, and I guess one of the things, Brian, for me at least the takeaway was that we never exist in this moment. Our mind is always either in the past or the future, which I kind of knew from the power of now, but not how bad it was. Um, and that and that Buddhism, I guess when they say that the Four Noble Truths um, and that that life is suffering, and it's because even happy thoughts cause you suffering. Because, yes, we do. yeah, um, if something bad happens or something, something we're happy about in the past, like, oh, that was great. And then we either crave it or cling to it. Um, and then that causes us unhappiness because we think we might not have it anymore. Right. Um, we never want
1: it to end. We always want to go back there. So we're not even really enjoying it during the moment.
0: Yeah. Uh, And and the the three causes of all unhappiness, which I found interesting, was either craving, aversion, or ignorance. And pretty much all unhappiness boils down to those three things, and it comes from not being in the present moment. Um, And remember, if you have questions for us, feel free to type in the chat. We will be happy to answer them for you. Um, And and I thought another great parallel that they made day one of the discourse was, like, if you think about locking yourself in a room with a wild monkey, (laughs) you know, like, like people freak out, like, Oh my gosh, what's going to happen. You got to learn to train that monkey. And that's like in our mind, like we, we sit there, like the the thought of meditating for 10 hours a day, um, can be very daunting. Like, I I don't want to do that. I don't want to be stuck in there, but that's the same mind you used to make. You used to make all of your decisions.
1: Absolutely. The monkey parallel was great. You know, branch to branch, swinging around your thoughts are going a million miles, miles an hour. Another, um, Uh, (laughs) comparison was a a raging bull. I thought, I thought that was actually uh, spot on for me. I was thinking of uh, a chicken, you know, like a little chicken going around. I'm trying to catch that chicken. You know, I'm trying to concentrate. Uh, never caught that chicken.
0: (laughs) Well, did, did you find you were closer to catching the chicken? Uh, like through the class?
1: I would grasp it. It would get away. I would grasp it. I would get, it would get away.
0: So I guess for, for those of you who maybe don't really know what, what the class that the 10 days entailed. Um, I'm gonna share this uh, my screen here, let you know what a typical day looked like uh, for us um, with that. And this is what it what it kind of is here. So you wake up four am, the, they walk around with with the bell, the gong outside, they wake you up. You have thirty minutes to kind of, you know, take care of whatever you need to take care of before that, and then start meditating uh, thirty minutes after that. So two hours of meditation, you could either go down to the hall, where is uh, the group hall that we had to be in for for three hours of the day. You had the option to go in there before that if you wanted. And um, then after that, you have a breakfast break, 6.30. Then you back to meditating for an hour. And some some days after that, the teacher had like the new students, which like Brian and I were there our first year, or old students. And if we weren't in the room there, we were back in the room meditating. Lunch break. um, And when it says rest and interview the teacher noon to one that's a little deceiving, Cause you could only schedule five minutes in that to interview the teacher. And I got gonged like to get out of there. Like because there's 70 students in one teacher and you only have five minutes. So it can be, you don't have a whole lot of time. And that's the only time also that you can talk because this is a 10 days or, or nine days of noble silence. So there's no speaking to anyone for nine days. And then on the 10th day, they say it's kind of like a, um, what do they say, shock absorber to kind of get you used to talking. Um, Brian, what was that like for you being after like nine days of silence and then talking after that?
1: Oh, they said it'd be a, a soothing balm after the surgery for me. It was like, ah, <laughs> I'm just talking, listening, listening felt so good.
0: Yeah. Um, it, it was, oh, some of that, we do have a comment here in the chat too. So, uh, Christine asks, did, did you find it more beneficial for you to start in your room or in the hall? And did you change the routine during the 10 days? Great question. Uh, Brian, let's start with you.
1: I uh, I woke up at four uh, naturally, which I've never done before in my life. Um, I would take a hot shower really quick and then get into the hall because there's too much temptation in your room to to lie down, spread out. Um, you know, five minutes of of laying down that would take up your whole hour basically because you'd wake up uh, from a peaceful peaceful dream every day I started the morning in the med- meditation hall and I would strongly recommend it because the energy in the hall is going to be a lot different than the energy in your own room.
0: Yeah. So my experience is a little different. So the first day um, so I usually wake up at three 30 anyway on a typical day for work. So I got to, to sleep in uh, 30 minutes before <laughs> I am. But the, the, the larger problem for me was usually when I wake up my normal routine, I get coffee right away. Mm-hmm. So the first day I didn't have coffee and I take Vyvanse, uh, I'm prescribed Vivants. and, you know, but they, they said that, uh, you know, please disclose to the teacher if you're taking any medications. And so I, I thought this was going to be a relaxing retreat where I wouldn't need my Vyvanse, where I don't need to, I don't need to concentrate. I'm there to just kind of connect and sa and, and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> so I didn't bring enough for the whole time. Mm-hmm. So the first day I didn't take any Vyvanse and I didn't take my coffee. You have no access to coffee until breakfast is 6.30. So I was sitting in my room and trying to meditate and I had the worst caffeine withdrawal and I went from, you know, Vivance and caffeine to nothing. Day one was very challenging for me. Day um, I started going to the hall after that. Uh, so I would wake up at four and the first thing I would do because I've had two bags, I would walk. There's a little, we had a little half, a quarter mile track outside and it's beautiful. You're right up against Joshua tree. And so I would walk because you don't stretch first thing until you move a little bit. So I'd walk at least for, for 10 minutes outside um, and then I started um uh borrowing coffee um from the day before to bring to my room so I could make coffee at 4 a.m. just in my sink so to help me not get a headache and use that, and then I would go to the hall. Um and I, and I to, to, to Brian's point, it helped me be in the routine, it helped hold me accountable. Um, and some days I couldn't stay the whole two hours in there. I would do an hour in the hall, then an hour back in the room, and then go to breakfast. But yeah, any I try to meditate in the hall as much as possible for, for that same reason. Now, it wasn't as comfortable. If you're in your room, you can lean up against the wall. You can't lean up against the wall in the hall. You have your own little area there. Right. Um, and, it, and it was really interesting because day one, we're all sitting there like, oh, we're all, we're all yogis. We're all just on these little mats. <laughs> and then by the end of it, we had all built contraptions because they have cushions and pillows there. And day one, you might have one. By the end of it, I had a back jack, which is like this little tripod thing I could lean up against and little anchors under my knees to kind of keep me going. So from a comfort perspective, um, my routine also changed. But it's amazing how how comfortable it did end up feeling by the end there.
1: Agreed. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, so I guess a little bit about the technique. I'm not going to try to teach it to you guys, but kind of the whole premise of it is we talk about how all of suffering is because your mind's either in the past or the future, and the only thing real is in this moment. And that, in order to to sense that, you have to feel the sensations that you're feeling in this moment in the body. And so once you you spend the first three days just uh, just focusing on the breath, you can't you can't have any mantras, you can't have any visualization because it's a distraction. You just have to hone the brain for ten hours a day for three days. And then you start like scanning the body um, and just feeling the different sensations that are occurring. And if you, and this is what they call the sits of determination where you don't move for an hour. Um, Brian, what was your experience with that?
1: Super difficult. Um, I thought, you know, an hour's fine. Those first three days, um, like you said, I just had the mat, I think one little cushion. I was trying to, trying to do my best, but, 20 minutes, 30 minutes would kick in the back, the ankle, the knees, everything would start to, to scream out. So, you know, eventually I got to a point where I could, um, where I could sit for the full hour without moving. But again, that was with a lot of uh, contraptions, uh, the back support, many cushions, um, finding a comfortable posture. And you, you do get to see some of the mental struggle as well. Um, I just tried to see, okay, the whole time before going to the trip, I'm like, what if my nose itches? What if my nose itches? Well, yeah, my nose is itching a lot. Uh, I, I tried. Um, I would refrain. You know, eventually, if it's just too much, it's too much. But, yeah, you could—you uh, actually can by the end of it sit for an hour. No problem.
0: Yeah. Uh, Christine also says, I can't seem to sit perfectly after 10 minutes, and I need to wiggle for a few seconds. Hours sound so challenging. Well, they do at first. But, again, this is where the, um, the unhappiness comes in of aversion. And one of the things this teaches you is no itch lasts forever. And it's, um, you know, just just by 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 looking at it objectively, like, oh, there's an itch. All right, where's the itch start? And because you're scanning the body, sometimes the itch is not in a place you're even scanning. Like if I'm scanning the body and I'm concentrating on my left arm and then there's an itch on my right leg, it's like, all right, well, I'm not thinking about the right leg right now. When I get there, the, the itch might even be gone. And a lot of times I would notice that would happen where – you know, I, you're teaching your body to, um, I guess, kind of blur the line between the conscious and the subconscious because you've got the subconscious kind of running in the background, usually taking care of all of these things. And in doing this, you're taking over and you're you're looking inward at what and taking over from the subconscious, which really allows you to really kind of get in your own psyche, which I w- which we'll also get into. Um, but the the once you learn to sit, and I also found that once I can see the reason for this sits a determination because it. You know, with not moving, you can start to look at the pains and the itches. But I really – it also got me so much more focused. It got me – once I stopped thinking about how uncomfortable I am and I just accepted it, all right, right, now I can do the work. Right.
1: I mean, the mental aspect is is so important. And every time you do move, I mean, they're right. You're going to lose your your concentration. So – You know, I was thinking of it as um, really the first time having a a true relationship with my body. Everything before was just on autopilot. You know, you want to do, you want to scratch something, you want to move something, stretch, you do it. And there was no, there was no buffer in between. Um, Now being more conscious of what's going on, I think that was, you know, helping to strengthen, um, you know, both the mind and body uh, to the point where you could, you know, give this practice a true go.
0: Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's uh, I think that we're a slave to habits and whether the habit is just on autopilot. Like, oh, I have a scratch. I'm going to itch it. I'm hungry. I'm going to eat. I'm depressed. I'm going to eat. Like we're just on autopilot right. and this really helps teach you. Um, you don't have to operate that way. Like you just be present in this moment and stop seeking things for comfort. Like, uh, this aversion or, or avoid it's Like Oh, I am itching, I have to scratch it or it's not going to go away. Um, and, and by listening and just looking at it objectively, it really kind of helps you not do that. So I do want to kind of shift subjects for, for a, a slight second here, because, you know, we mentioned, uh, meditation and, and looking inward. And even though it is, it's based on Buddhist principles, um, it's not a secular class, but, um, you know, Brian, know you and I talked, chatted very briefly, but you still had a little bit of a, um, I guess it causes a little discomfort in you. Just tell me about that.
1: Well, I was attracted to this because this was, um, you know, open to all religions or no religions. This was something that's for everybody, universal. I really respected that part of the practice. Um, And as uh, we went through it, the technique was explained in very scientific terms. Um, Some of it was above my head, but I really, you know, tried to do my best to understand the science of it, um, the mind-body connection. And they do, you know, it's, it's fascinating. And you start to get little nuggets uh, of insight and you, you start to feel maybe maybe I'm understanding a little bit of what this is all about. Uh, but as as we go through with the discourse, some some of the um, anecdotes from Esenguenca uh, revolved naturally uh, w- with his own experience and how he um, perceptualized what was what was at play here. Um, some some of the concepts were, were foreign to me. I know some of uh, the basic tenets of uh, Buddhism, um, but when we spoke about um, past lives and essentially making up for some of the mistakes, problems, anger, lying, stealing, cheating, all of the issues from the past, I really had a hard time coming to grips with that. Um, again, there's in no way, shape, or form any pressure to become uh, a Buddhist. I, I think at most there might be um, observing the Buddhist uh, way of life, uh, maybe adopting some lifestyle practices. So I think, uh, Ramsy you'll probably get into the, the five precepts we were all required to follow. But, um, you know, without getting too deep into the precepts, um, just on a based on my upbringing, trying to come to terms with, with uh, past lives and And how that fits in with what the work we're doing now. I struggled with that.
0: What was your upbringing, if you don't want me to ask? So, so people.
1: Yeah, I grew up with um, various non denominational Christian churches, and uh, now I'm a practicing Catholic. So, you know, that that, uh, my religion is always at the core, and you don't want to do anything to tarnish, step on, disrespect uh, what is, you know, something so fundamental to you. At the same time, you're always going to grow, uh, challenge, question. Try to get a better understanding and, and grow stronger in the faith. And I think yeah. this practice absolutely uh, helps you, uh, whatever your faith background is or no faith background, it uh, helps you kind of come closer to your core and your core principles and belief.
0: Yeah, no, very well said. I know um, for, for I, one of the analogies that they use that I thought was great was uh, there's three different kinds of wisdom and uh, the wisdom of of what someone's told you, the wisdom you intellectualize and then the wisdom you experience. Right. Um. You know, and how the, these, they they call this uh, tradition uh, Dhamma, which is they say it's just the laws of nature. Like, you know, the, if you're looking at the the fact that the, like from a science perspective, the human brains evolved to keep you unhappy. And there's a book here that I, that I got that I highly recommend. And it's called Why Buddhism is True. And it takes, it's from a science approach. It's not from a religious approach. It's like, look, it's an evolutionary psychologist that wrote it um, talking about like why we've evolved the way to to be unhappy uh, and 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 how the meditation techniques in Buddhism really can help you break out of that pattern. Um, you know, and in regards to those three uh, things, like the, the wisdom you're told, the wisdom you intellectualize and the wisdom you experience, the Vipassana really is wisdom you can experience. It's like, look, do this technique and it works. Um, and I, for me, I got to say it worked um, in regards to, really being able to, to, to find just the fact that I'm energy is really be able to find the fact of, 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 of being happier. And, um, you know, let's talk a little bit about, cause it's, it's one thing to say that it worked for me while I'm at a camp. It's kind of like, if I go on biggest loser, Hey, I lost all this weight. <laughs> the, the real test is once you get back to the real world, um, how do you, how do you feel that it fits in? And I know, I mean, we've, we've been back a short four or five days, but Brian, how do you feel you're fitting in, in the world?
1: There, there's a definite difference in how I approach things. And um, I think people around me can notice it. Um, we, we cannot expect a miracle from a 10 day program. Uh, however, you know, some of the skepticism and everything that builds up, what Essen Goenka kept on preaching was regardless of all that, you know, try the practice and see if there is uh, incremental improvement in your life. And that's what I wanted to take back with me. Um, I, I have a very very hot temper. Uh, I, I go off so quickly before I even realize what's gone, what's, what's going on. Um, and you know, especially now, uh, raising a, a daughter, I, I want to be, um, I want to be a little more uh, relaxed, a little bit more in the moment with her and not so quick to, uh, to, to lose my cool. Uh, before she was stumbling, she was tripping every, you know, scratch or bruise, I, I was losing my cool. And, um, now I'm able to, uh, at least have a little bit of a, a little bit of space you know taking a breath before things are going on feeling what's going on inside my body in addition to the to you know the breath and that kind of helps uh frame things a little bit differently so i'm actually looking at okay well she fell down let's take care of that versus why did she fall down Let's, you know life is so unfair and um you know that kind of uh is just one example but in numerous cases i've become a, a much uh gentler driver I think in this school <laughs> in LA, uh, I was probably a, a terror. And now uh, I'm probably letting people go uh, right ahead of me. Nice.
0: And I want to circle back to a point you made earlier about like when they were talking about uh, reincarnation and just the dissonance you had with with your own your beliefs. A point that they did make that I do want to kind of reinforce is they said, look, even if you don't believe in past lives or next lives, how about being happier in this one? So, so they do say, like you know, the, the Buddhist tradition of you know believing, and, and it ties in with they they say energy is not created to destroy. Like essentially, your life force goes on. But even if you don't believe that, that's fine. This will make you happier for this life. Um, I thought that was a that was a, a nice little way to kind of um, you know, tie it in there. And you know, they did talk about the different religions, but just bring up like, yeah, and pretty much all religions have the same core tenets. All religions are pretty much saying live a moral life, don't sin, and do your best. Mm-hmm. Um, we yeah, the five precepts we had to have while we were there was abstain from killing any being. Uh so I think I minored and be in being a bug valet while I was there. Like just I had to, I had to they, they gave you a, a bug relocator, <laughs> like it's a tupperware it's in your room, and you just gotta trap them and let them outside. So I had like I think four spiders, a couple of ants, and a moth that I had to escort out. Uh, um so no killing any being, abstain from stealing, abstain from sexual misconduct, abstain from wrong speech which that one's pretty easy when you can't talk and abstain from all intoxicants. And, and when you, when you go back, they pretty much want you to follow that. They to continue to, to live that life. Um, what are your thoughts on those, Brian? Anything, any struggles with those?
1: I, I think it's perfect while you're, uh, at the 10 day course to follow the precepts. They, they make a lot of sense for what you're trying to achieve. Coming back. I think, I think a lot of people, uh, struggle with, uh, one or more. Um, but you know, thus far, I have been able to uh, follow the, the same lifestyle. Um, I have not had meat since I've been back. I haven't had a beer. So anyone who knows me knows that's just crazy. <laughs> but right now I feel good and uh, I want to continue this practice.
0: Nice. Um, you know, I know for me, I know you said, or maybe you didn't say, so I guess tell me a little bit about your, your spirituality or kind of how this affected you.
1: Well, I, I'm a big uh, bibliotherapy kind of guy. I, I read so many books, um, whether it's self-help, New Age, spiritualism, religious texts, and I've always, uh, you know, kind of been faith-driven in terms of how I live my life and decision-making. Um, this was a practice I wanted to to grow on top of that. Um, what what led me here wasn't so much um, any of the, the Buddhist principles. It was a curiosity um, about Fifteen years ago, I had read a trio of books by uh, Dr. John Kabat-Zinn, um, PhD. He he wrote *Full Catastrophe Living*, and he talked a lot about mindfulness. And he also spoke about um, a program he has in Massachusetts called the uh, Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction Clinic, and it's a two-month program. And I always, some you know, in the back of my head, I always said one day I want to take this. I want to you know live in the moment. I want to slow down, calm down, see what's see what's really real in front of me. And of course, that, you know, that never happened. But um, a family friend, uh, she had, she had uh, taken the course. She's taken a number of courses and there was uh, just a glow about her and uh, maybe a, a bit of a sparkle or a twinkle in her eyes and just uh, a feeling, a sense of peace. And uh, that, that sounded really, you know, my, my wife strongly encouraged me to uh, sign up for this course to see if I could get in. And she was uh, encouraging me throughout to attend. And, um, you know, that, that's how I got to the program.
0: Great. So, so how did you first hear about it?
1: Through, through uh, the family friend.
0: Gotcha. Through the family friend. Gotcha. See, I found it uh, on an app. You know, I was I was looking for, I, I had uh, I've started kind of a spiritual journey the last couple of years. Uh, like last July 1st, my, my best friend died. And I had, you know, and what honestly, funny enough, what, what, what got me started on Buddhism was the last dance. The um, documentary because right. I'm like, you know what Phil Jackson mm-hmm. really has his shit together all the time and right. I was intrigued by it so I guess last June I started uh, I got a book called The Heart of the Buddha based honestly on Phil Jackson and I was so impressed with just what what I was reading there and then I was looking up like hey I want to find some apps that really help me learn more about Buddhism or some retreats and then I found uh, the, the the Vipassana course um and I just I, I found it fascinating and um it was scary so I've I'm I used to not be, I, I went to Catholic school for six years growing up, which meant I was, I didn't believe in anything. So I, I was, I know, <laughs> religion was kind of forced on me. So I kind of really turned my back on it. And then just within the last couple of years, I started seeking out what is my higher power and really feeling connection with nature. And then the, the, the these teachings has made a lot of sense to me. Um, and, you know, I, uh, some other, so on the 10th day, we did get to talk, which was really interesting with Well, the guys and girls just kept separate so the guys could talk. So we were we were there and finding out what everyone's experiences were. And some people really had, had talked about um, how even psychedelics brought them to that same place. Like essentially you keep looking in for meditation until you feel the exact moment of reality, and that's mm-hmm. enlightenment. And how that can feel crazy to people who have never experienced that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and that is so – to people I've talked to, it, it that's kind of the spiritual journey is just – realizing that you can be happy right now well, you can you're enlightened you don't have to wait to die to feel like like Nirvana you can experience Nirvana in this moment by channeling it in and I, I got close a couple of times while I was there like again it's a 10 day class it's not like it's not a you know enlightenment factory they're not just churning out you know you don't walk out of there like like floating in your car but you I, I can at least see the path. Well, I, yeah. (laughs) Um, Well, it was the dust you couldn't see because (laughs) 29 palms in August, you know, it it, it was a lot. So those few tea breaks and stuff that we got to have, um, you know, usually you might be able to even just go to the walking path. Exercise isn't allowed either, but you can't even walk outside because it's August in the desert in Southern California. Um, I don't think it was cloudy once. I think we might have had maybe, yeah, it, it was some raindrops one day, but very light, and they were gone. It was just—it was really hot, which made you really just kind of focus on going inside because you sure as heck couldn't go outside. So, what was your biggest takeaway? And by the way, we're still taking questions, um, and I have one that someone else had submitted too, but I'll get to. But, but Brian, what was your biggest takeaway from the class?
1: My uh, biggest takeaway was that there is another way of living, um, just because we grow up and we're conditioned by our family, our society, whatever, schooling, education, whatnot. Um, th- there's a different way. And I, know, I'm a very stubborn person. I felt very set in my ways. You know, I, I was convinced that I had, I had life uh, figured out, you know, all, all the things that would bother me. I could, I could find ways around them. You know, a, a lot of it was uh, entertainment, food, alcohol, you know, almost formulaically um, I could keep my mind occupied. Um, you know, greatest, greatest fear I had was being alone with my thoughts. I could never, ever spare the, the very idea of it. Uh, so from the, the moment I woke up with with the radio, um, listening to books in the shower, driving, listening to, to sports radio, and and knowing every single day when I come home, from this time to this time, I'm watching baseball, I'm watching basketball. My mind is completely occupied, going to sleep with the TV on every night. I, I think for the last 20 years, I've gone to sleep with the TV on. So coming to this program, the moment your phones are taken away, this is this is this is brand new territory we're talking here, and um, I've never I've never experienced anything like that. But you know the benefit was there's no choice. There you are. You 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 want to go? You don't have your car keys anymore. You don't have your phone anymore. Where are you going to go?
0: Yeah.
1: And um, for the first time, being alone with my thoughts and surviving, maybe even thriving. I think that that was. Um, a crazy experience, crazy part of that journey. And that's my biggest takeaway.
0: Yeah. Awesome. And to your point, like, I remember, cause whenever you, you, you your, your doors don't lock and remember walking out, like, Oh, I got to get my phone. And like how the first couple of days, I kept like reaching for it and it's not there and just what a tether it is for me. Um, and, um, you had something else you say about, well, first off, your anger is is understandable because you're a Dodgers fan and you watch baseball. (laughs) um, So so I get that. I guess for me, the biggest takeaway is that you can reach that point. um, It it made me stop intellectualizing and start experiencing like the importance Mm -hmm. of that and Mm -hmm. that you can be happy um, without taking a drug or without eating or without, you know, just the, the vices of the world. And there were a couple of times when I was meditating where I did feel bliss. I'm like, oh, I, I'd never felt that before. Just like sitting, concentrating, concentrating on your energy. It feels amazing. It feels, you know, so, so incredible. Um, Christine just posted, it's refreshing to hear that reminder. You can always grow and always change and grow closer by yourself and have a relationship with your body, no matter how old you are when you start the journey. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, Brian, I don't know if I think you're quite as old as I am. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, uh, you know, I'm 42, and and I have just now discovered how to feel okay, mm-hmm. I, and that's literally how to feel okay um, without something else or someone else or something else that 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 I think that I need, um, and and it's it's such a, you know, it's all within your control with when you realize that 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 nothing is personal like you know that if your leg falls asleep it's not like there's some pain demon like oh i'm gonna get you but No, it's not personal you look at it objectively like okay my leg's hurting and you just observe her for what it is
1: mm-hmm.
0: um you know and and i found that to be to be very helpful um what uh what were what your other thoughts brian Well, what do you think about the experience in the center that we went to like just the the facilities and and how how, how the thing was run
1: yeah i know they have um centers around the world. Uh, this, you know, Southern California just happened to be closest for me. I have to say the accommodations, the food, the whole experience top notch. I, I it, it exceeded all of my expectations. I was, I was going in expecting very Spartan conditions, but you know, you have your own, you know, over here, at least you have your own space. I was able to set up a little meditation, a uh, corner uh, with my cushions and, um, it's really you know everything you need in terms of uh, the residences, um, the food. The food was the best part. That's what I was looking forward to. 11 a.m. I think you and I were probably the first ones there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, most most afternoons, I thought the food was fantastic. I've never really lived a vegetarian lifestyle, um, and I don't know if the food was really good or I was just really hungry. <laughs> but I, I devoured uh, everything that came came our way, and I yeah. felt so good uh, physically. I felt so good. That's why I'm trying to replicate. Um, some of the eating times and um, some of the options they they provided. I'm trying to carry that forward right now. So, I, you know, I don't know if this was mentioned uh, earlier, but a- again, there there is no cost to attend this ten day uh, program, which I cannot wrap my head around. I kept thinking, well, you know how 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 does that make sense? How is this right? And of course, there's opportunity to uh, provide for others uh, who you want to to take part uh, in, in this journey. But not until after you've completed a 10-day course, which, yeah. which is just magical.
0: Yeah, they won't accept a dime from you until you complete the course. Um, and, and and part of it is, and they made a good point, you know, and again, when I say they, we, we we weren't having open dialogues. We watched a one-hour video every night from Gawenka, who's the founder of the school, who was taught by um, you know, the the essentially from 300 years after Buddha up until now, there has been a direct line of secession keeping this kind of pure. Um, and they don't accept any money. Because they, they don't you don't they don't want you calling like feeling like you like, oh well, I want my food this way or this is how I want my accommodations. It's like, no, you have no say in it. You're there on the charity of others. Uh to just kind of teach you how to be humble. Now, once you're done with the course, you can donate to then help other people start the path towards enlightenment. So I thought that's a great point. Um, and, and the food was incredible. It was all vegetarian. Um, and and I I I agree. You know, I know you and I were there in line first at lunch. I think there's another important point though. I know we're talking about how great it was, how great it was. Brian, both you and I wanted to quit. Yes. So tell me about your experience about wanting to quit.
1: I remember during the first day of discourse, he talked about how hard uh, you know, day two would be and also how day six uh, would be. And Etuenenko was not wrong. You know day two, you you've, uh, you actually realize what day one was and, and there's nine more days of this. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if this is for me. Uh, I was okay with that day, but day six, uh, I, I really I really thought this is just not the right choice for me. I have invested this amount of time, but uh, I, I don't want to stay here anymore because, well, you know, why am I cultivating this if I can't agree? And a lot of this came from the discourse. And, you know, to be fair, the discourse was my favorite part of, of each each and every day other than the food. Um, the discourse was, was just really just impactful and helped just open up new ways of thinking. But... You know, taking something from the discourse, being at home, uh, being in your room with with no TV, no radio, no books, no re- writing materials. Of course, you're just thinking of the discourse, and part of it was kind of, um, you, you know, the, how everything rises and falls. How we need to take a very uh, observational approach, right? Uh, observe objectively. And when when thoughts would pop up, thoughts of the past, happy or sad, I was thinking about them, and. And it started to, to feel like I was thinking about them in a third person. You know, Brian did this and Brian reacted that way. And there was this feeling of, of disassociation that made me really, really sad. And I was thinking, I don't, I don't want to live that way. I don't, I don't want to be so disconnected from, you know, what I feel is myself, my past, my experiences. Um, so I, I signed up for a private interview uh, with, with the teacher, um, Philip P., and I, I just told him very clearly, you know, I'm not. I don't think I'm understanding. Uh, I'm not happy right here, right now, and I don't think I'm, you know, understanding the discourse. Or if I am, I, I you know, this is not for me. Um, but he did help me explain. You know, we are we are not looking at each and every one of our experiences and trying to, you know, say this has no relation to us, or, or we're just being, um, you know, rational and non-judgmental. You know, life life just doesn't work that way. But that feeling, you know, you get so mad when there's something going on inside of you, you're observing that feeling inside of you uh, objectively, you know, and, and how you get there, it takes this practice, starting with uh, understanding uh, the respiration, the breath, but also understanding, you know, once you've gotten there, what is going on in your body, because you are responding to what's going on in your body, you know, you have a biochemical reaction, and that is what makes you upset or happy. Um, and when he framed it that way, purely, you know, through uh, the physiology that helped me kind of realign everything because I wasn't going to figure all of this stuff out, but when he gave me one point to focus on that, that would, you know, made sense to me, that helped me continue the practice. And I was pretty fervent, um, from that point forward.
0: Yeah. You know, the, the way they explained it to me, cause I, I was ready to quit day, I was ready to quit day six, but, um. Tried to quit day seven, and they wouldn't let me. Um, and to your point, uh, you know, if, if there was a, a front desk where I could have gotten my keys from the Bellman mm-hmm. and been, been gone, I would have been like, I'm out. Yeah. But mine wasn't the, related to the practice. Mine was related to my ADD. Mm-hmm. And because, mm-hmm. like, as Christy mentioned earlier, like, like hard to sit still for so long, when I'm usually used to taking a certain amount of milligrams of Vyvanse a day, and I only brought enough for half for seven of the days, and then after that, I had nothing. Every little sound in the room, my ADD would go to. So you've got seventy people in a small room, and people are we're we're animals. So people are sniffling, people are snorting. Someone over here is coughing. Someone over here is sighing constantly during you know ten hours a day yeah. for ten days. So I I almost I couldn't. And then it's kind of like if you have a neighbor's dog that's barking that wakes you up and then you try to fall back asleep and you're out of the side of your ear, you're just waiting for it. Like bark one more time, MF or just do it one more time. There was there was someone in the room making a particular sound that I then keyed in on Mm -hmm. and I'm like, and then it was under my skin. But part of this process is realizing that emotions are just um, that's the energy you're feeling in the body. So I mean, all right. So so but my anger, which was my one of my you know emotions, was coming up. That anger was manifesting, and that's the some of the energy I was feeling, and just to how powerful that was. I had to work through that, and it was great because once I worked through getting that anger out, it's like I felt a lot like cleaner, like a lot better. And I remembered I had earplugs, so when I came back down. I, I was going to use them to sleep, but I brought I brought the earplugs down and. It's kind of a double-edged sword because, yes, I'm no longer hearing everyone else. But now, if you ever want earplugs and you can hear your own inner biology even louder, so yeah. now you're sitting with that. Yeah. Um, and also found an interesting day three that they serve beans. I'm like, these are brave people serving beans to a room full of meditators who have to sit there in silence. And then they doubled down and served us cabbage at lunch the next day, which I think was almost evil because it sounded like whale song with some of our GI systems in
1: there. But you well, you
0: got to get past that. There was a
1: direct correlation. I found the less I spoke, the more I farted. So I don't know what the connection is, but I was was, coming out one way or another.
0: I was behind you, Brian. I don't appreciate that. (laughs) My my, 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 uh, little meditation square is a little off to the side. But all right, this this is making a lot more sense now.
1: And our relationship Um, has never been stronger.
0: Yeah, so we're friends now. We bought it. So would you do this again?
1: That, that was the first question I would ask the old students. You know, what, what motivated you? What, what would drive you to do this again? I, I understand the curiosity and wanting to learn about it, but coming back? Now, I does recommend coming uh, once a year as kind of an annual uh, tune-up. Um, and, and I, you know, the first, um, the first day after the retreat, I was thinking, I, you know, I just don't think I'm going to have uh, the time to, to commit. But, um, you know, I have been continuing the practice in my own home. And I found it's it's very very different than what we went through for those ten days um, in seclusion without any distractions. I have to say, also, just the energy at the center was so good and perfect for um, you know learning this technique, perfect for meditating. So, I I I strongly um, you know right now I I would say I'm leaning towards um, going back, um, whether as an old student or whether as a server. I spoke to some of the servers after the program and. There was just this look of peace and serenity uh, that they um, that that they had. It wasn't like, dude, I've been cleaning after you for 10 days that they were just like we were, you know, we're so happy. This was such a great experience for us. You know, we've made friendships here. We feel closer here. Um, You know, that is something that's very contrary to my nature, Um, you know, the giving aspect. Um, But that is something we are all trying to to cultivate, hopefully. So, yes, I I would uh, I would consider signing up again.
0: You know, and as something Brian mentioned, I want to expand on, he talked about the server. So the food, we we were only able to eat two meals a day and then dinner was essentially hot tea and then a piece of fruit, Mm -hmm. but the food was all prepared by students who had completed this course already. And they came back to be of service. Mm -hmm. And part of what the the course teaches you is it's really hard. And it's kind of like, even what Jesus said, it's easier for a camel to pass the eye of a needle than than for a rich man to get into heaven. So for those of us who have careers out in the world, it's really hard for us to dissolve our ego because we're always like, look how clever I am. I can make all this, money and support my family. But when you go there, you meditate, but then you only go to half the meditations because then you're making food for the students who are there for the first time to help them concentrate on their ability to to study. So people go back as, as servers to just help and and be of service to people, which, which I thought was just very selfless of them to do that. Um, Brian, what's one piece of advice you would give to someone who wanted to take this course?
1: I'll just do it that, you know, if you think about it, you're not going to do it a million reasons will come up for why this is not the right time or why in your case, um, you're just not able to, to complete the course, just do it. My, my, my wife talked to me so many times and she would immediately just say, just go do it, you know, and, um, uh, 10, 10, days is a long commitment, but you have to remember, you know, this is not just something you do for yourself. When you return, you will hopefully be just a, a shining presence in, in the lives of your family and friends. And I, I am excited to, uh, you know, rekindle some relationships and um, kind of uh, see what my relationship is like with people now when it's not just all about me and what do I get and what, what are you giving me? You know, the, some, the, there is some change in your heart. I, I, you know, I'm not trying to sound sappy, but you do come back changed somehow. And whether you want to intellectualize it or say it's on an emotional level, you kind of do give a damn about other people. And, and I, I, generally genuinely wasn't, wasn't really like that before. Um, so who knows, who knows what goes on from here? I can just tell you how I'm feeling today and, uh, what my motivation, uh, motivations are, but, um, I feel just a lot more, uh, open and, and again, you know, a weight has been lifted. I, I don't know what the weight was, but I, I do feel so much lighter. I do feel so much brighter. And, uh, I, I feel, you know, I feel like the world has, has become bigger because it's not just right here now. Now it's kind of more here.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I I feel the same way. I had a five hour drive back to to Phoenix after after the the thing and. I just felt so awesome. Like you know, someone needed to ride with me back to town, and beforehand i have been like, "No, I had. I wanted to do all this stuff. Like, I wanted to, like to, to drive into Joshua Tree, but I was okay. The situation simply was, mm-hmm. um, and and I, I had a little slightly different look at it. Instead, of, I'm not coming back a changed person. I'm coming back who I'm supposed to be, and coming mm-hmm. back a more truer version of my energy because I've stripped away a lot of the conditioning that's been put on me since childhood. Of this is how I have to be. This is how I have to act. This is how I have to react. A lot of that's taken away and I can be a more, my more authentic self now. And I definitely want to take it again. Um, You know, even 29 palms one was great. I might want to try a different one just to have a slightly different experience within it. And you're right. When I was there, my energy, I felt like I was Dr. Strange by like (laughs) five or six. I could feel the energy coursing through my veins. Um, I could feel part of the, the reincarnation, feel part of the energy coming into me from, from, from the past. Um, and that's something that I, I personally have started believing in is, is is the the concept of that from a energy is not created or destroyed you know standpoint. Um, but it, it really I highly recommend it. Again, I would say go in with um, I would say an open mind. Yeah, go in with an open mind. They're not they're not going to try to convert you. They're, they're presenting a a philosophy that can coexist with whatever religious belief or non-religious beliefs you have. You can be, have, um, again, because Buddha is not a God. Buddha just means enlightened one. And you can be enlightened by learning to listen to your emotions and feelings. So I thought that was very powerful. Um, uh, oh, sure. Before we go, though, it's something, I, I've actually taken a lot about this also. And I have incorporated it into my radical acceptance webinar. Shameless plug time for the four-part series, which starts September 8th uh, sorry september 7th so it's tuesday nights in september um and it's on radical acceptance and it's broken into four parts So talking about mindfulness impermanence radical acceptance sorry uh, non-judgment of other people and non-judgment of yourself and this is uh the course really helped give me some some new concepts to add so uh my website version on well-being check it out if you want to uh to take that course i still have a couple spots open brian before we go anything else you want to add
1: no i mean i i definitely uh benefit every time you and I speak, so I would strongly recommend, um, you know, looking deeper into uh, uh, these, these talking sharing points. You know, sometimes as men, it's, it's hard to talk, uh, I'm sure for women as well, but sometimes we, we kind of have a, a front or, or a persona, but uh, I think talking honestly, openly uh, with, with people who are feeling you, who care about you, it really, um, you know, helps you process things in a, in a really healthy manner. So I would strongly recommend that. Uh, one quick point about energy. I always, of course, I believe in energy. Energy is this, energy. Um, but th- there was so much fear I had. I-, I was certain I would never be sleeping at night because, I, again, I cannot go to sleep unless I have my cocktail of entertainment and inebriants. Uh, but, um, you know, a lot of the people, uh, I think it was um, some of the servers and some of the old students, they, they would stay after we went to bed, and they would be in the meditation hall, um, sending good vibes our way, you know, sending good energy, promoting our success. And, and I strongly believe that environment was so conducive to, to peace and rest. I, I mean, I was waking up before the gong at 4 a.m. every day on, on my own uh, volition, and that was crazy. So um, if we can take some of that and bring it back out here, send as many good vibes to people as we can. If, if that's, if that's all it is, I think that's, that makes a world of difference.
0: Yeah, I agree. And, and not, not just positive energy. I sleep less now since I've been home, mm. like but doing this meditation. I'm so much more focused. My sleep is deeper and I have so much more energy during the day.
1: So same, same here. I have traded the, the two hours we do with meditation, one hour in the morning, one hour at night. I, that, that, those used to be my sleeping hours. And now once the Dodger game over, I get an hour on my cushion and uh sleep an hour less but uh, wake up another hour and, and uh, i've been feeling great
0: yeah awesome well brian thank you so much man and then uh yeah well maybe we'll do another one of these kind of a recap make sure in six months we're still feeling the flow and, and seeing how it goes but uh i appreciate it. if anyone does have any questions for brian or i um you can type them in the chat uh, uh, even after this video is not live anymore and brian will see it because we're, we're friends on facebook or wherever this is going to be and we be happy to answer any questions you have or feel free to reach out so and if you're in southern california and you need a good lawyer uh, sim law check them out <laughs> business stuff right <laughs> business law I sure do awesome alright guys thank you so much for watching and uh I will see you next time